All right, trying again. Had a little snafu there. It's been a hot minute since it's been on the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. CrossFit Rife Podcast. Jason Fernandez here with Cassidy Belensky, head coach, programmer. Um, this We could talk about this for hours, man. Um, but so I wanted to bring Cassidy on and talk a little bit about programming. Uh, I recently took the adapt- Adaptive Athlete uh, course, which is a, a really good insight into programming. It's been here a long time. It's seen the evolution of what we do for programming. Uh, recently got hired on the seminar staff. Now I gets to wear the red shirt. Uh, and I'm just curious about your experience there as well and um, just what that's been like. So, um, yeah, let's roll. But first, kind of tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and maybe a little bit about your time here. Yeah, uh, the first intro is better, but that one will do. Um, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what are you going to do? So uh, I'm, I'm originally from Boise, Idaho, <clears throat> and uh, I joined the Navy out of high school. And uh, kind of stumbled upon CrossFit in when I was doing high school sports. I played football and ran track. And um, it wasn't really CrossFit there. It's just what USC's, uh, University of Southern California's football team was doing, just their strength and conditioning. So our football coach played around with it. And that was my first kind of introduction to functional training or is more just like HIT training, which, you know, later I come to find out is functional training was what we were doing. But uh, enjoyed it a lot more. Got out of high school. Um, after I joined the Navy, I was still looking for something competitive to do, and I was still just doing the regular bodybuilding stuff like everybody else, and uh, went to another gym in town, moved elsewhere, I was looking to do uh, CrossFit, and first time I met you was, I think it was a year before I actually joined here, and then uh, I was actually, you kind of actually recommended me to go to 757, because they just had better <laughs> hours, and um, I we've talked about this before, and I know, I, I know you're not going to be butthurt, but like, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. I was very... Uh, non rememberable forgettable yeah, forgettable yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just, just your average dude so um it's just their hours were, were we in better. the old space yeah it was very very end over there 108 mm-hmm. so went to 757 for about six months or so deployed came back moved and i lived closer to this spot so i was like oh, i'll try this place out again and i remember the first day I but came you in, did go there yeah yeah i was okay. i was at 757 for six eight months okay like that. and that was when they were on 22nd street um before they moved and then uh, came back here when I moved here, and you you had mentioned something about, like, you remembered me by my tattoo on my leg. And I was like, okay, like, that's pretty cool that you remembered me after a very small conversation we had 12, 18 months later, whatever it was, and stuck around. I say that to everybody that I has know. a tattoo on their leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've been here before, right? <laughs> nope, just moved here yesterday. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool, and that actually kind of meant a lot to me. So I, I stayed here. Um, I think I joined in June or July of that year, and – took my level one just because I enjoyed being in the gym and I wanted to be in the gym more and got really inspired by the red shirts at, at my level one. Where'd you take the level one? It was up in Reston or Herndon, um, up at Fairfax. I didn't do it, did I? No, it was, uh, I don't remember everybody about it. I remember Maggie had to have been there. Nope. EC. Um, EC, oh, really? Jason Ackerman. Um, oh, Chris Jason was there. Ackerman. Okay. Um, Russell. Yep. Got it. And I can't remember the other two people. It was a, a shorter, shorter look. Shorter girl, and then uh, another dude about my height. <coughs> but took my level one, came back, wanted to intern, uh, wanted to start coaching, and then you let me intern. You know, a couple months later, I started working, and years later, took my level two, and years, years later, took my level three, and interned for, for HQ, and here we are. What's our total time frame been? I've been five and a half years. So I've been I've been doing 
I've been doing CrossFit coming up on about nine years now, uh, nine or ten years. And then I've been coaching, including my internship is just over five and a half, not like since I've actually been hired about five and a half years now. I don't think that's a – I think that's probably an appropriate timeline. So for anybody who's curious about that, I think five years of consistent coaching – is probably sufficient enough to maybe to potentially throw your hat in the ring. Um, yeah, and I, I still think even when when you want to, um, you kind of pushed me to do it because I was like, oh, I want to do it, but I'm not ready. Oh, like I'm, I don't feel prepared. And it was kind of like the, hey, you're never going to be ready. And it's like, okay, that's fair enough. So um, we're never going to feel like you're ready is really the, the better way to put it. So it's like, okay, applied and did did well enough to to get picked up. So. Um, I probably would have just kept making excuses and pushing on if it, you know, I think more or less you almost called me out on it, which helped out. I mean, I did the same thing down the road. Yeah, I did the same thing. And because uh, I was having conversations with people very similar. I was like, well, I don't have time. And then I don't know if anybody had to poke me in the eye about it, but I, I kind of came to that same conclusion where I said, I, I'm never going <coughs> to have time. Like, I don't at what at what point am I going to get more time? And that's just not a real thing. So I just did it. Same thing. Um I don't remember. I've probably been coaching about the same amount of time, though, because I'm coming up on 11 years. Yeah. So I was pro and I'm coming up on six years. So it was probably about five years mm -hmm. of of coaching. You know, I didn't. I don't think I coached the first year, but I started coaching pretty pretty quickly after that. Um, okay. Cool. Um, so largely, I want to talk about programming because I know a lot of people are just interested in how we do programming here and why we do certain things and. A lot of that, but I do. I think uh, context is probably a little uh, valuable here with regard to this conversation in general. So, when we started the gym in two thousand and nine, I think I wrote programming continuously for about six or seven. Yeah, for probably about six years. So I wrote the programming just literally out of my brain, and I went through a lot of different iter different iterations of that. We played around with a lot of stuff. Some stuff was appropriate. Some stuff was not appropriate. We did some West Side stuff. We did some Wendler stuff in there. We did, I mean, we've done a lot of different things. Uh, and then I think, when did we use Warm Up and Workout? Uh, 2016 to 17. Yeah, so I think I, I thought it was longer than that, but maybe it was it's, just it's a about, year. It's about year and a half so then we outsourced it and because this question always comes up should i outsource the programming or not and I, the answer is always it depends it depends on a lot of things but i was burnt out i was like i don't want to do this anymore i trust pat barber and taz i've known pat for a long time on seminar staff i think he programs really well uh and i learned a lot by just not and when we did that i made a commitment to myself i said specifically i am not going to touch this programming even if i don't like it mm -hmm. and <clears throat> probably nine. I mean, I maybe made a couple tweaks here and there just because they were logistically yeah. not doable. But by the, for the most part, I did not touch that programming for a year. And it, it was like anything else. It exposed a lot of things that I wasn't doing. Nothing crazy. I mean, we're covering the basics, but there's some, you know, what I like to call it, maybe the vegetables, not the meat and potatoes of the, of the programming, but the vegetables and stuff. I didn't probably didn't have enough variance in there. Um, and then you and I had talked about getting into it uh, or bringing it back in-house, and then I gave that to you, and then, you know, we kind of – we review it, but that's largely your baby at this point. I don't – I kind of loosely have my hands in it, but 
not much. So yeah, there's, there's a little bit of. Uh, I'll throw a theme what, at you. What do you want to see this month? Yeah, yeah is there anything special? Any 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 holidays or memorials coming up? And do you want to see more of something this month? And just about every single time, it's no. Do whatever. And well, I I which, I do what I think would have been valuable to me, which was just somebody who's an objective party from the outside, not necessarily tweaking the program, but just here's some things to consider from a from a thirty thousand foot view about what's coming up, what things are we should we be looking at? Is there hero workouts we haven't touched in a while? Stuff like that. And because if you don't have somebody looking at your program, it's re I mean, it's real easy to kind of get in your own little groove yep. and just do your own thing. But um, talk to me a little bit about because I don't actually even think we've gone too deep into like what your process is for programming. I know you do an excellent job, probably better than I do. You test a lot more workouts than I did. Yeah. Um. So what do you want to start on? What how I how I write it? Or yeah, either what? one, <coughs> whatever. Um. Yeah, let's just go. Let's start with how I write it first. Um, for the most part, I kind of look at what's the rest of the community doing or what they've been doing or what what direction I think it's going um, I spend a lot of time kind of looking at main site of course if if you're not looking at main site I think you're doing yourself a disservice because they're the ones doing it better than anybody did you know Greg is writing programming like I he's writing a lot of the programming right now not. yeah yeah um, Greg is coach Greg Glassman everybody uh, and, and no he and I are not good enough friends for me to call him <laughs> Greg <laughs> someday <laughs> maybe um, probably not but I look at what they're doing um, I look at a lot of the other kind of just bigger communities. Most of them are like competitive um, things like, you know, comp train and Invictus and Misfit and Team Soul. And, you know, there's 20 different people. I just kind of look at and see, are they all kind of following the same path? Are they all um, doing different things? Are they throwing in different movements that I've never seen? Are they um, doing a lot of strength versus this? And then after that, I kind of just start looking at movements we haven't done recently. Um, I always try and hit the big ones of, cleans and snatches and thrusters and pull-ups and muscle-ups, handstand push-ups, like all those. But I kind of just, uh, you know, what what's something we haven't seen recently? Um, what's a movement that we don't see that often, like uh, medicine ball cleans? Um, mm -hmm. I, I like doing medicine ball cleans because it's it's not that it's easy to teach or see, but it's it's easy to avoid um, because it's not as sexy as a, as a barbell or a dumbbell or, or a kettlebell. So I like doing things like that or sumo to the pie poles. Um, everybody likes to go straight to the heavy weight stuff. Um, and then once I kind of have an idea of, well, I haven't done thrusters this month or clusters. We haven't seen this in four, five, six weeks. Um, I kind of just start going, it's going to kind of sound funny, but I kind of just take the map and I just go, this day we're doing thrusters. And then like this day we're going to do push press and this day we're going to do wall balls or whatever else. And then after I kind of throw those basic movements in there, kind of start looking like, okay, what would, what would be good with this? Or on the other side, what would be really gross to pair with this? and then uh, pair something else with it, and then I kind of get my idea with it. And once I kind of have a, let's say, three out of the five days, if we're looking at just a week, or three out of the six, if we're looking Monday through Sunday, then I kind of start, well, this would look better here. Well, this would look better here. Well, then I, ha now I have too much lower body compared to high body, and then pull versus push and all that. So it, it really just starts out as blank canvas and just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing where it sticks. And then from there, once you kind of have your, your general picture, okay, well, let's really tweak into it and then we'll look at time frames and we'll look at rep schemes and we'll look at rep uh at reps but i like to first just go through go through the movements and make sure we're getting as diverse as we can with the movements yeah i think to some people that would sound kind of random but i think if you're writing gpp programming i don't know that there's a better way to start because i think if you start with a template you've 
you run the risk because I've done this in the past of like limiting yourself on things that you can put in there. So I always found it beneficial when I was doing it to kind of start with a couple things that I wanted to see and then I start filling it in. And then I think my personal opinion is where the real kind of art or uh, skill of programming is, is once you've kind of got some themes in there and some of those other things, the evaluation and tweaking of that once you've got, I don't know, call it a 40% product on the on the on the canvas, that is where like the actual skill comes in because it's pretty easy to kind of get 40% up there. I think the last 60% is where the skill, the experience comes in, the intent comes in and you can really start dialing in and, and having some things that you started with that are not actually what you end with. Like I started with a workout that kind of looked like this. And then as we kind of morphed everything, I'm like, okay, I want to switch that based on what we're trying to achieve. And I'm going to massage this a little bit and, ha but a lot of it would still remain or maybe I'll make it longer or go heavier or something like that. No, I've, uh, there's been plenty of times where I get the week done and, uh, like maybe I'll have the whole, the whole month done and I'll just kind of look back and I'll just wipe an entire week out because it just didn't fit with the rest of the month. And kind of once I have my, before I start getting into two reps, I kind of like to, for me, see time frames. And so when I'm looking at it in a, a giant macro scale of it, um, like when I present it to you and it's super colorful and really pretty, it's different colors represent different time frames. And so I make sure, you know, we're hitting a lot, you know, a, a good amount of short, a lot of in the middle, some longer, some heavier, just to make sure I have a good balance of it. And then once I have my time frame kind of set, then I can go in and, okay, if I want it to take 12 minutes and like I, in my head, this is a 12 minute workout. What are my rep schemes or my rounds or my, what I'm going to do to make sure I can make it, you know, a 12 minute workout or, you know, five rounds in 12 minutes, you know, that kind of idea. Um, and that kind of, that helps to, to tweak the reps, the time, the movements, the rounds, instead of maybe going to squat, maybe I go to a power, switch that around, however you want to look at it. Did you find, cause I think people kind of fall generally in one of two camps. They start programming and, and they, and they take a liking to it or they find it incredibly difficult to wrap their brain around. Uh, it started, I mean, I, I still love doing it. Um, if I didn't, I wouldn't do it, but, uh, it started out as this is super difficult. Um, biasing. what was difficult about it? Not biasing. Um, when I'm writing, not doing shit you want to do. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Of there'd be days where, you know, I'd see a barbell every single day or the opposite. I wouldn't see a barbell for, for two weeks or, you know, there's a lot of high skill stuff and, um, you know, I present it to you and I'm like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever written. And you're just like, this is crap. Like we're doing, <laughs> we're doing muscle ups every other day. Like, what are we doing? I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow. And, uh, it was, it was just, it was difficult looking one at myself and kind of at the, at the gym in a whole of what are we, what are we avoiding? Um, what are we, what are we not good at? Um, it's really easy to put in stuff to, to make everybody happy. Like I'm sure everybody would be happy to just do you know, heavy cleans every day and max out this or, um, you know, just do kind of AMRAPs of easy movements that everybody's going to have a super high score, heavy weight, but it's not super easy to be like, Hey, as a, as a whole, we, we aren't good at handstand walking or as a whole, you know, like we don't do just a lot of one arm stuff or overhead stability stuff. So it's attacking it myself and making myself, cause I mean, I do the, I do exactly what I write. I do the programming here. Um, and you know, is this something I, I would avoid if I wasn't doing it with the group? And if the answer is yes, probably going to get programmed in there. And I, I, I asked a lot of people, I ask a lot of people 
throughout the month, like, hey, what's what's something you haven't seen in a while, or what's what's something I'm missing, just to get more more perspective on it from just me and you, because we don't do it every single day, because caught up with work or what have you. But the people are doing the, the workouts four or five, potentially six times a six times a week. They have the best insight of we haven't done thrusters in a long time. We haven't yeah. done we haven't done sandbags in a long time. I think it's important that you do the program. Like I I do the programming here, and I probably don't train as much as I would like. Um, but I would, I, there's very few <laughs> things in here that I put, that I see on there and I look at it and my first reaction is that's dumb, which is different than I don't like that. Yeah. So I'm, o I'm totally okay with, I don't like that. I'm not okay with that's dumb. There's not a whole lot of thought put in there or that's kind of what they call the any asshole workout, which is like, you just mm -hmm. threw a bunch of shit on paper and this is what I came up with. Um, but I think it's important that you do that and then you do the workouts. And then we kind of bounce things around. Cause, so for those of you who don't know, so Cassidy writes and, and pretty much has, I don't know, probably a 85% done product. Mm -hmm. And then we sit down and we look at it. I'll kind of give my two cents, kind of massage maybe a couple things or throw some different ideas in there or just maybe see some themes in there that, that – get blinded to if you are got your face in the spreadsheet and then make some minor suggestions there and tweak it and then go from there. But I think I think doing the programming is super key, man, um, from a standpoint of buy-in, from a standpoint of understanding the effects of the program. Uh, and I think we do a better job than most of actually, like, getting a really broad spectrum. And this is the key phrase, without jamming – multiple workouts in one day yeah like you can it's easy to get a really broad spectrum if you just decide to put a skill session a metcon and a strength in every single day <coughs> i think it's far more difficult <coughs> to write one workout a day that has good variance that still gets people fit that's that's my personal opinion <coughs> yeah uh i know i test out probably at least a quarter of the workouts um the month before that's what i would have um, guessed yeah it's there's a lot of the workouts where, you know, I put them together and in my head, you know, it's a workout that I think is going to take 15 minutes. And then, well, let's, let's actually see if I, if I did this right. You know, if I want it to be, you know, a, you know, a fire breathing, just leg burner, or if I want it to just be sustained continuous output, you know, I, I got to test it and see. And a lot of times I, almost every time I've tested a workout, I go back and modify it somehow just because it wasn't what I had in my mind when I wrote it or how it's supposed to fit for the rest of the week. Um, and like, there's some people who, who might be able to do it, but I'm looking at the majority of the gym. If we, if everybody scales it appropriately, are they going to be hitting it the same way? And if I have to rewrite it to make sure it gets there, then the only way to find out is if I do it, I can't really use uh, the 6am as my guinea pigs or the 530 as my guinea pigs. Like, Oh shit. Okay. 9am we're doing it this way or noon. We're doing it this way. And, I mean, that is a real scenario in yeah. some gyms, though. Like, I've done that, like, way back in the day where I'd write a workout. It would totally eat shit for the 6 a.m., and I would have to just literally change it yeah. going in to the 9 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like to test a lot of the ones where it could usually go one of two ways. It could either go exactly how I want it, or it could go, you know, a hundred different directions, which isn't the target. So those are the ones that I, I definitely like to test. And I, I even test it with, with different scales or asking people to, to test it for me. Like I know I've asked, I've asked Zoe to do some workouts for me. I'm like, hey, if you're going to the gym, do this for me if you don't mind. And, you know, he'll come back and tell me like, 
this is how it went. Okay, cool. It's either exactly what I want or I'll change it. I uh, One of the things I picked up, I would generally, uh, it wouldn't happen a lot, but I would get into these ruts when I was writing programming where I would start to get burnout, and then a lot of the things that I liked to would just just go into programming. But one of the things that I that was exposed to me when we were working with Pat uh, with warm up and workout was I did not do, I mean, overt, we, like our programming was virtually devoid of any single arm, single leg work mm-hmm. and carries of all side of all types, like overhead, one arm front rack, yep. uh, farmers carry all that stuff. And that stuff has a massive benefit to general population just for Good old-fashioned joint stability, mm-hmm. particularly at the shoulder. Uh, and I think you've done a pretty good job of keeping that, those kind of things <coughs> in there. And, I mean, let's be real honest. They suck. Yeah. Like, it's hard. Who is it? Jeff Marks was telling me the other day over at North End, one of the hardest workouts he's ever done was the assault bike and hang from the pull-up bar. He calls bar. it his Jesus workout. <laughs> he calls it the crucifixion. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was uh, – that was – a lot of this, a lot of how I program a lot of things, it's because we did um, Wuo for so long. Um, there's a lot of things of just hanging from a bar, like working that grip while you can't breathe, or single arm overhead carries while one's down on the side. And what's funny is we started playing around with that, and then what happened at regionals a couple couple years ago? It was one overhead, one on the shoulder doing a lunge like that. And they started. I remember when we were doing it, there was dumbbells like blew our minds. Like we're doing oh dumbbell thrusters, oh we're doing dumbbell power snatches. Then what do you know that that year? That's the the all dumbbell uh, regional and open, dude. Every yeah, I'm talking to all of you guys. The that were there was a lot of complaining about that uh, for about six months coming into the open, and then the open was just dumbbells. Yeah, and like everybody here was prepared for that. They're like, oh man, I know what to do now. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly yeah. how this feels. <laughs> I mean, granted, we didn't win the open, but I mean, Not it, close. like everybody was everybody was prepared for that like they were ready to use dumbbells and yeah. dumbbells have like a really good utility in my mind as do kettlebells um but okay um have you found yourself like what are the pitfalls that you see for program like for yourself <clears throat> uh pitfalls in it um like is there something when you write work in when you're writing the, the the programming every month, they're like, I need to be aware of this. Otherwise, I'll do, I'll do X. I tend to put in a lot of high skill stuff, um, whether it's you handstand, like handstand, stuff. handstand walking, <laughs> handstand push-ups, muscle-ups, support, <laughs> ring supports, ring dips, you name it. Sometimes and, I have to be like, hey, man, and everybody's going to quit. Not a that. lot of stuff that's just like put your head down and just keep bashing until you get through the wall. Um, like Fran, like that's a classic example, I think. I, I personally like it because there's there's once once you can do the movements and you can do them without thinking there's no thought to that workout it's just go faster and I usually fall into a trap of not doing that kind of stuff enough or trying to do it where it you know with some type of heavy weight or skill or what what have you that doesn't let you actually go through you know just the pain cave you know just just suffering you know eventually uh, not. I, a lot of time I, I try to make things too too cute, I think, instead of just 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 work. Um, and I the sexy stuff is is the devil, man. Yeah, and it's well, the devil. That's what I, that's why I like when we have our our sit downs every month is because uh, a lot of times like when I when I do write, 
I'll, I only write program for maybe 30 to 45 minutes at a time and I just have to close my laptop and go away. And then I'll go to work or I'll go work out or, you know, I'll literally do anything else. And then I'll come back and fresh set of eyes and, okay, well, why did, well that was stupid. Why did I write that? And I'll come back to it. And I change. used to do that all the time where I would just get stuck and I would just be like, God, I can't look at this anymore. Yeah. I'd be looking at it for hours and then I would come back and look at it the next day <coughs> and I would be like, I did thrusters four days in a row and I don't know how I didn't see that. That just happened actually with uh, February, right before I, right before like we sat down and talked about it. I looked it over one time and I was like, we're deadlifting four days in a row. I was like, that's not, it was like dumbbell, kettlebell, barbell, heavy barbell. And I was like, I do not see barbell back to heavy barbell. I was like, it happens. It's, it, it does happens. happen. And it's not the end of the world, but I think, I think a lot of people don't understand how that happens and you wouldn't understand how that happens unless you write programming, yeah. unless you're looking at just this endless spreadsheet with movements and rep schemes. I mean, it's, it is, it's really easy to get lost in there. Um, and that's why I think it's good to have, you know, a don't, don't put yourself in a time crunch. There's nothing worse than writing programming in a time crunch. And then B have a fresh set of eyes put on it. Like have somebody who also knows what they're doing, come in, take a look at it, evaluate it. And, um, and just give you a fresh perspective on, on some stuff in there. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I think the holds and the static and the carrying, I think all that stuff is like, like what was the other one that everybody cut, didn't catch me off guard, but cut everybody else off guard was the, the shoot throughs. I thought, on, say, uh, I thought you were going to say Devil's Press. On my, no, I don't think that catches anybody off guard. That I think one, everybody's I, like pretty, pretty aware that of That caught me. you off guard when we did that one together. My lack of fitness <laughs> caught me off guard, not the Devil's Press. Like Blame the Devil's Press. Yeah. You went to regionals. <laughs> I did go to regionals. I beat you, Ben Smith. Um, <laughs> the Somebody else has brought that up recently. It was super funny. I forgot what it was. Anyway, the um, so the other thing I want to talk about is a little bit about and this will kind of segue, but first I want to talk about like, so writing programming that kind of starts at the top and then trickles down and then what that looks like as you start to start wrapping your brain around doing some of the adaptive stuff, which is a course that we're going to try to do here sooner rather than later. Do you mean like top and then scaling down? Yeah. So like, you know, for instance, like, so there's a lot of people who, who at some point would hopefully watch this podcast and they're like, hey, like I don't I can't do muscle ups or handstand mm -hmm. or handstand walks and so talk to you a little bit about scaling and like how you go about writing pro writing programming and then and then do you take do you take scaling into consideration first or is that secondary? Uh both. It, it's not it, it kind of flip flops. Um, sometimes I'll write a, a write a workout with the scaling version in mind and then scale up for the RX version. But most of the time, it's usually RX, and then I we go up and down. So if you if you don't know how we do things here, and we actually got this from Wuo, which is I think probably one of the best things we ever got from him, was the uh, the three divisions, if you want to call them, like RX plus RX, and then fitness. So RX is what most gyms would write as just their normal workout of the day, and then RX plus is tailored for elite athletes, you know, the people who are going to regionals or the people who are s consistently scoring in the top 100 in the region. It's, it's heavy, heavy stuff. Like it's, it's hard stuff. Um, if I've had some questions about that, about like, why would you write that? Because I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at this, but I would venture to say that less than 5% of the gym 
touches that top. That's probably generous, that, too. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. 5% is probably generous. Yeah. Um, so why? So why would I do that? Well, you can always scale down. Um, it's, it's hard to scale up. It's easier to scale down, and everything should be infinitely scalable down. Um, and I write it that way if Matt Fraser comes in the gym, he needs to be able to do a workout without completely changing the, the RX version. So there's already something written for them. Um, and it gives us a good blueprint to start with. So what we, what I like how we do things here is we d we're not married to RX plus RX or fitness. They're just kind of blueprints. And then we tailor them to the individual up or down. So there's a lot of people who RX is maybe too difficult for them and then fitness is too easy for them. So we kind of take pieces of both and make it into like their own unique baby for them. And same thing goes for the RX plus in, in RX. Some days the RX is might not be hard enough for them, but then RX might be too difficult. So then we can kind of go, all right, well, the weights would be something in here. Well, the skills would be somewhere in between here, and we can just merge them to make it make it perfect for everybody. That's but. a lot of times where I fall, where I like I can I could probably do most workouts RX. The once it gets into the loading <coughs> for RX plus, like I'm out, I'm out for those loads. Like mm -hmm. like nine times out of ten, I'm out for those yeah. loads. It's not happening. But there's a lot of times where I'll have maybe have like a middle weight, like. <laughs> Uh, most of the skill stuff I can do at this point, like very rarely, depending on the volume, do I, am I going to tap out on that? But like the loading is like, I fall that, that gen that's generally where I fall. It is like the loading is just like, I'm not, I'm like, that's going to break my well, back. Today's a, a great example of it with the, uh, the push press, the push press and the pull-ups. Like I saw, um, Shane, who's just a monster with a barbell. You doesn't matter what the movement, if it's a barbell, he just crushes it. Gymnastics, on the other hand, it's kind of his weakness. Um, and he knows it, but he, he took the RX plus weight, which was a 205 push press, and did for pull ups. 30, 30 reps, yeah, and did regular pull ups instead of chest bars. So it was just the right amount of fatigue for him, because if he would have done it with the 185 or 155, it might as well just be using an empty barbell for him. That, and he would have, he, the, the workout would have ended up being like a kind of a broken workout, because he would have been, he would have missed the mark on the stimulus. I well, think. but he would have been devastated from the pull-ups, like so. Which, which is what, which is not the intent of the workout. Mm -hmm. Which is like, hey, it should be a heavy barbell. Like mm -hmm. this barbell should slow you down, even though it's only three reps. It should slow you down, not stop you, but it should slow you down. But then I had a lot of people who were doing. I pushed a lot of people heavier today mm -hmm. than they wanted, and I don't do this all the time, but I did it today, where I, I made everybody show me their weight, and there's a lot of people who were like, not a lot, but just like five pounds under, ten pounds yeah. under where they should be. And I bumped them all. So I think I coached 30 athletes in those two morning classes. And I think there was at least 15 variations of that, at least minimum 15 variations of that workout going on today. And I think that's important for people to understand is that, and we can talk about a little bit about what we did in November too. The, the intent of the workout is what is important. Mm -hmm. Not the reps, not the weight. Did you hit the intent of the workout, which is, Largely, I think we got a lot of positive feedback from that in November. I mean, there's the usual suspects who are unhappy with it. <coughs> Nobody's going to be perfectly happy with it, but you know. um, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I didn't like change at first. Like, I didn't like changing from WUO to actually me writing the programming, and now I love it. Um, I didn't like going from barbells to dumbbells. I mean, I'm, I'm going to complain about everything. You know, it's, I'm one of them. It is. It is what it is. Okay. But so talk a little bit about what we did in November. Uh, so, okay. So in November, we – that was actually really cool. We should do that again. We um, will. We will. In November, we it's took It's happening away. again, everybody, whether you like <laughs> Douglas. What are we talking about? You just – you look cool, Doug, just yeah. so you know. You um, threw us both off with your <laughs> handsomeness. <laughs> November. Okay, so November, we took away uh, all RX. 
Um, we took away RX, RX plus scaling. We just wrote one version of the workout, which we'll just call the workout. So we just wrote one version of the workout, and then we gave an. So we didn't take away RX. You could still get RX, but it's not the well, way we, that we most took away the, the three scale. So we yeah. just wrote one version of the workout, and everybody had the opportunity to hit RX no matter how they did the workout if they hit the intent of the workout. So every day, every day was provided with. Uh, you should be finishing the workout between five and 15 minutes or five and 12 minutes. You know, you should be getting 15 to 20 rounds on this workout. Like we gave them a set guide of this is how the workout should feel. This is what your, your target at the end of it should be. Um, if you scale appropriately and you hit this cool, you get it, you get RX for the day. If not, if you maybe made it too, too difficult and I'm, you know, we're going for 10 to 12 minutes and you finish the workout in 15 minutes. Well, you made it too difficult, you missed the mark for the day. You know, you, you overshot. On the other side, if you made it too easy and you finished the workout in seven minutes, well, you didn't push it hard enough. So again, you missed you miss the intent by making it too easy on yourself. So we gave some, some guidelines, um, but for the most part, we let everybody, for the most part, pretty much scale themselves. Like I thought it was cool, man. <coughs> I, don't, I don't remember how I got that idea, but I was like, man, we should really, we should really just kind of force people to I don't know. I'll just say it. Just to be honest with themselves. I'm like, hey, listen, if you – so the beauty of what that of how that worked out is, like, everybody could, could check that box mm -hmm. if they were smart. So, like, even if you didn't have any skills, if whatever you designed for yourself gave you that time frame or that rounds or whatever, like, you get to check that box because that was appropriate for you. So if you're, if you're still trying to wrap your brain around this, what we did was – so – Cassidy explained it really well, but I'll frame it up a little bit more. So we gave like some pretty broad weight ranges in a workout. So mm -hmm. for instance, let's say the workout was arbitrarily like uh, it was like today's workout. So today's workout was three. It was uh, it's three rounds, three minutes of work, uh, ten pull ups, and then three push press. Three minutes rest after each round. So it's a total of nine minutes of work, six minutes of rest for a total of fifteen minutes. But in that workout, what we would have done is we would have given people basically said, we would have given them the, basically the score. Here's the score I want you to give me. Now you have to make the decision on basically everything else. You have to make a decision on like, should it be chest of bar pull-ups? Should it be regular pull-ups? What should the number of pull-ups be? You know, and we would give a rep range would be like, hey, your rep range is 5 to 10, but I'm not going to tell you what to put on the barbell. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I think what that forced people to do is think a lot about yeah. what they were going to do. Well, it pushed a lot of people to not only just scale down to their abilities, but even scale up. There's a lot of people who, instead of doing, you know, handstand pushups to, you know, two ab mats under the head, we're doing handstand pushups, you know, to parallel or to the ground or whatever. Instead of doing pull-ups, doing chest bar pull-ups or doing L-sit muscle-ups instead of kneeling because, you know, the transition was too easy and the high ring, they weren't right there. They, yeah, so we were pushing people past what they thought they were actually capable capable of doing, which um, I think a lot of people kind of looked at it as like, oh, we're just trying to scale everybody down. Like, we just want to we just want to knock everybody down and kind of show them where they're at. And it was actually the opposite. Like, we're, at, we're actually trying to build people up. And a lot of what happens is <clears throat> a lot of people – when they when we give them that blueprint to kind of start with, they tend to go the easier route because it's more comfortable and your score is going to look better and you know all all the reasons why we would want to finish a workout faster. Um, and by making them make a little bit difficult, a little more difficult, they got skills they weren't used to training with. They got to practice movements they weren't used to practicing. They got to mess around with weights that they don't typically get a, a throw around. Um, and they 
got to hurt a little bit more. They got to work a little bit longer, work a little bit harder, or push past what they thought was their end zone and keep going and actually find out what their true limits were. I thought it was cool. Now, if, you, if you're going to try to bite off in this, I will tell you there's going to be some people that do not like it, and there are going to be some, some gripes about it. And it's largely because there is a certain popul and I have empathy for this, right? So I'm not hating on anybody. There's a certain population in every CrossFit gym who comes there, and they don't come here to think. So you do have to take this into account. I don't know that this is something that you should implement on a daily basis, but I do think it has tremendous value to do once, maybe twice a year, just to kind of – it's probably like a good way to recalibrate everybody's, you know, eyeballs on the whiteboard. I mean, you we, – we do benchmarks multiple times a year. Um, we usually do them twice a year, but it's it's probably a good idea to do this – once to twice a year just because as the benchmarks improve people people's abilities improve and they might not see it day to day or week to week or month to month so it's a good idea to throw it in there occasionally just to open their eyes of hey this is where you're actually at um and a lot of times again it's 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 better than they think they are uh, and i thought it was fun from a creative standpoint because you can from a programming standpoint there were some workouts that were i think there was one in there that was a chipper i have to go back and look at it but we gave people i think the rep range that we gave on the chippers was like 30 to 50. 40. I mean, it was, no, a, it, was a, to 60. it was a big rep range. We're like, hey, anything in this rep range is appropriate, and you can make this as – I mean, like, you get to dial up whatever you want, but here's what we want you to achieve when you're done. And, uh, you know, I think largely got – I mean, I you know, we got some – the groans we got were not that, like, this is stupid. It was just kind of like, I don't like it because it's different. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody – but I got a lot of positive feedback on it because there's a lot of people that did some stuff they didn't um, – Well, what's funny is when we, when we switched back to the RX Plus, RX, and, and fitness, it was like, well, what happened to that? And then people were upset because we weren't doing that anymore. Hey man. Same people who were complaining about switching to it were the same ones that were complaining <laughs> that we went back to it. <laughs> the troops are not happy if we're <laughs> – if, we're, if they're not complaining. Um, all right, cool. So uh, the scaling portion, I think that's a, a good segue. So you just, uh, you just went through the adaptive course. Yep. Um, and I'm curious on your thoughts on that. You know, so I've, I've worked with Kevin Ogar. So if you don't know Kevin Ogar uh, from the CrossFit community, uh, he's a wheelchair athlete uh, due to an accident at a functional fitness competition. I'll get that right. And uh, but he works in seminar staff now. Phen- phenomenal dude. But he, him, and Alex have kind of created this program. Uh, through HQ, and it's a pretty awesome program. And, but but first I want to – so a, a lot of people – actually, most people probably don't know this about you mm-hmm. um, and why that is kind of a – I don't say a passion for you, but like – Yeah, it's, yeah. it means something to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so most people don't know us is uh, my brother's in a wheelchair. So he was involved in a motorcycle accident 12 years ago. Um, he was in the Navy. Day he got home from he got home from deployment on a Friday, wrecked his motorcycle Saturday, wheelchair. So he was home about twelve hours and then in a wheelchair. So that was when I was a sophomore in high school, sophomore junior in high school, and uh, so he's been in a wheelchair for for twelve years now, twelve or thirteen years, um, completely independent. So he had a T five and six, six and seven um, tear, just completely tear. Um, so he's paralyzed from basically sternum down, um, no movement, no control, broke all his ribs, collapsed his lung. Um, from what I understand of it is he, his heart and lung stopped on the helicopter ride down to the hospital. And then again, once he was in the ER, um, luckily he was resuscitated, 
you know, made as well of a recovery as he can. He has two steel rods up his spine to actually stabilize his spine, and I think he could be... Is that just to keep him just, upright, basically? It's just to keep his spine safe, and I'm pretty sure I, I, he could have had him removed years ago. Um, that was more just during the initial injury, but I think he's... The number of surgeries he's gone through, I think he's just tired just of over it. Yeah, it's not going to hurt or make him better having him in or out, so what's the point? Yeah. And uh, they took bone out of his hip to put it into his spine. He has a... Uh, like I said, he broke all of his ribs. I think he broke his leg. Um, wasn't wearing – so he – back on it, idiot. He wasn't wearing his helmet, his gloves, his jacket, like literally nothing. Um, from what I got from the – I didn't know that. Yeah, wasn't wearing anything. Um, so the backstory of it. So in Boise, Idaho, there's a mountain range um, called Bogus Basin. It's just a ski resort literally five minutes outside of downtown. And it's a big windy trail, just like every ski resort is. And so he was riding his motorcycle, and he was they were doing Porsche races. So, like, guys that have Porsches in Boise, like, they kind of just race up and down. So he was running walkie-talkies up for him, And he doesn't remember if he caught gravel, if he took a bad turn or what, but off a cliff. And it was from – I talked to the guy who collected his motorcycle, said it was about a 50-, 60-foot cliff. And then where he landed, his spine shifted. So – five or six, whichever one was on top, shifted to the side and below. So his spine then chicane down, did an S down. Um, and then, so that's what happened with that. Woke up in the hospital, and then uh, he's been, he did a couple, about a year of physical therapy. Um, ended up going to, luckily, like the way it happened, he was uh, taken care of with the Navy. Went to school, graduated. Um, now he lives in San Diego. Um, he lived in L.A. for about a year, hated it. Went back to San Diego because... It's San Diego. I'd live there, too, if I could. Um, and he's doing well. He's has two dogs, has a house. You know, he's a photographer. He's doing his thing. So uh, having – I've always had a pretty high empathy level because I've experienced it all secondhand of not being able to stand or walk or, you know, having to get help up a curb or into in and out of a vehicle and all that. So it's always been something that's been pretty close to me. I've always tried to – find a way to once I got into coaching and CrossFit of how how we can try and implement that and then they came out with the adaptive course about a year ago it's it's yeah, fairly new right. yeah it's and that was one like it's been revised at as, least as soon twice. as as soon as it's on the east coast and I can travel there like that's the one I'm going to take so it just happened to work out went and took it and I think that's probably probably my favorite course I've taken I've taken probably six or seven specialty courses and that's probably why one, why the specialty courses uh no 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 why is that your favorite um I felt like as a coach, well, one, I, I now have a better understanding of how to train an, an entirely different population who I think are not really looked at or looked after in, in the community just because people don't know how. So I got a lot of knowledge to be able to now help a, it's overwhelming. Whole, lot of, a whole new level of people. Super overwhelming. I remember the first, <coughs> couple, I remember the first couple times I worked with Kevin, uh, if, if you're not around – I'll, you know, I'll use Kevin as an or just somebody who is in a wheel, a wheel, a, a chaired athlete. Like, it's kind of awkward. You don't yeah. really know, like, when to help or what mm -hmm. to do. You're like, can you do this by yourself? Like, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I just feel like a completely useless piece of trash right now. Yeah, it's. It, I, I've experienced a lot, a lot of that because, like, my brother, he wants to be, he wants to be as independent as he can be. So, like, he hates getting pushed. Like, it doesn't matter if you're going up a hill. It's straight up. He's like, I'll figure it out. Like, he hates getting assistance. Um. So like, hey, do you want me to grab your bag? And he's like, no, I got it. And he's, you know, back, got bag stacked over his head as he's trying to wheel his way around. And, um, yeah, it's it's exactly like that because you don't want to – you want to help, 
because you know you just want to help but at the same time you don't want to offend them by being like oh you yeah. can't do this without me and so there's a fine line of doing that and i think by taking that course is the same thing with training of you know we we want to help people we want to get people as uh functional as they can because it's at a certain point it's not even about fitness it's just about being functional and independent and uh you know you want to help without saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things or offending people because you know it's it will be offensive no matter you'll find a way to mess it up somehow I, what i thought was interesting and it's honestly been rattling around in my brain ever since you told me this but the sound not this oh. not the sound but like the some of the ver and i think we're i think we're pretty cognizant of verbiage in here mm -hmm. but you brought up something that i do very regularly which is say things like if you can't do this yeah. we'll do this yeah. and then when you brought that up i realized how free i i probably say that four <coughs> times a class so yeah. hundreds of times a month basically mm -hmm. um and I've been really trying to not say that and trying to figure out other ways to express what I yeah. want to happen, but it's hard. I found I found this out, uh, and it kind of brought it I, – I was more aware of it after the course as well, but I I stopped looking – and this is before the course. I started looking at uh, – we always want to give people wins, and I kind of learned that from taking the kids' course. Yep. You know, you always want to leave them with a win. And just the way we kind of speak to people will give them a loss by – hey, Jason, you can't do a muscle-up, so you're going to go do transitions or whatever. So then it was a year ago, a couple Not years ago. Not even that aggressively, just like, the, hey, if you can't do this, we're going to We started bringing this. on the yeah. bus stop idea. Yeah. Of, um, and if, for you guys who don't know, the, the bus stop idea is when you're, when you're going through scales, let's say I'm already talking about muscle-up. So when you're going through like the muscle-up, instead of starting at the muscle-up and then working your way down, go the opposite way. Everybody starts at the most basic type of scale you could think about for it and then you gradually work your way up everybody is the key piece here though so it doesn't matter if it's you know rich froning and my brother in the same class like they're both going to be starting on the exact same piece and then like all right as we move on if we can do it, like if if we're going to move on from here you know we're going to stay here and keep working on this if we're moving on we're going to go to the next piece and then you leave your athletes there work continuing to practice that piece while you drop the next person off at the next stop of whatever that might be on the scale of difficulty and as you're doing that you keep doing the checkbacks of like oh that looks good we keep the rings together or whatever it might be still doing the checkbacks but everybody's getting to work on something as they're progressing through the difficulties so you don't have you know nine people standing around watching the one dude do muscle ups and then everybody else is like all right the rest of you can't do this now let's go do this and you just keep doing muscle ups it's one they get yeah. skill practice from the basic one and they get to refine the basics and two everybody's going to be working to their appropriate level as you ramp up to where they need to be yeah i mean I've been using that for a long time, ever since I put it on the, since I did that video for Jerkbog Talk. But the, um, I I use that terminology. If you can't do this, then we're gonna do that a lot in the wad briefs, uh -huh. uh, or when I'm talking like through some of the warm up, specific whether it's specific or general warm up. And I've been really trying. It's hard, man. Like I'm, I'm. It takes a lot of thinking. No, it takes a lot of yeah. yeah it takes a ton of forethought to not do that. Mm -hmm. It takes um, it takes a lot. Um. And it's it's not even that it's not even that you mean anything by it of like if you can't do this because I mean everybody knows what you're trying to say but it's just being being smart with your words. So one of the biggest things out of the tying it back to the adaptive course is talking about impairments. Like maybe I have uh, a member who comes in and they you know they were in a high military area. Maybe they they lost a leg or something. So instead of saying uh, maybe they can't run or something, instead of saying hey 
um, instead of using your bad leg or your your good leg, instead of using good versus bad, it's it's sound versus impaired. You know, like you're finding a way to. It's not necessarily a a disability, but it's just you know it's not to the level of the other one. So instead of saying hey one side's better than the other or you're a better athlete than this person, it's hey your impaired side, your your sound side, um, and it's that can be tied to to everybody in the gym, not even just you know a, a, we'll call it a special population, but not even a population, but you can use that for 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 everything. Well, I, I've 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 done a better job <laughs> with it for things like so. The other scenario is let's say for instance you have an athlete uh let's say running isn't a workout mm -hmm. and you have somebody that for whatever reason <coughs> is not going to run because they have an injury mm -hmm. so instead of saying hey guys we're going to go for a meter run if you can't run go ahead and get on the bike yeah. so instead of using that verbiage when i say if you can't run what you brought up was say hey my runners are over here all my people on the bike are over here mm -hmm. and it's not like you're over here because you can't do it you're it's just not a, over it's not here. a better it, there's no hierarchy to it yeah you know, it's uh, but still it's something it's just like little stuff like that uh, i think makes a big difference what's funny about it is though nobody's really going to notice mm -hmm. like no they're gonna they're going to notice but they're not going to understand what it is right it's like they would they're they're i would imagine that most people have a some sort of feeling when you say if you can't do this go over here and they're like you probably realize that you can't do that, yeah. but it's still like somewhat it's offensive. It's a little stab of yeah. yeah. Even though it's not, they, they set know with, you. They know what you mean when you're doing it, but it's still just that little. Yeah, like, it's not. It, was, it wasn't said with any you know malice or like you know negative intent, but just not doing that. It's I still think this is that reminder. Yeah. So that's been something that I've been really trying to work on. It's just like avoiding saying using terms like that. But mm -hmm. I still I think I did it today. Um, what started all this scaling? Yeah, scaling, um, and then how this, and then the adaptive stuff. So with and, the and what, some stuff you learn there. So with the adaptive, as far as scaling, um, if you, as it depends what the what the impairment is or what the level of it is. Um, for the most part, it's it can come down to how you would scale anybody, anybody who comes in with a broken leg or, you know, maybe maybe they have a sprained ankle or something. If if it's like a one a one leg athlete, or depending on where the injury is at, you you pretty much scale for the most part that exact same way. Um, the only difference is, is if you have maybe somebody who has a shoulder or, uh, you know, lost a limb on their arm, they still have a little bit of that limb. Obviously, they're not going to be able to use it as much during the workout. But you want to you want to provide a scale to where they're obviously primarily using their good their sound their sound limb, but still able to get some work with uh, maybe the impaired limb. And that might not even be during the workout, but providing accessory work after, um, you know, if again, like I'm using the example of a high high a bicep elbow, yeah. yeah um you're not really going to be able to do a lot of shoulder to overhead with the barbell so maybe you switch to a dumbbell with the one arm and then when you're done hey we're, we're going to do a lighter plate or lighter dumbbell more controlled just still getting that same training in just trying to d lift some load mm -hmm. with that with that limb correct um because you still want to have uh your training symmetry you know we don't want to just just because it's not there doesn't mean we don't want to train the shoulder and the pec and the stability around it all. Like we still got to get as much of it as we can because because they still have outside to use of it. the gym they're still going to be using it exactly. Yeah. Um, same thing with legs and and ankles. You know, depending on where it's at, it just kind of changes what what the accessory is. And if if you can use it, you want to use it. Doesn't matter to what extent. But if if we're say doing a bench press in, in a class and um, maybe it's a, a dumbbell on one arm, or if they can control a bar while they're doing that, and on that one impaired side they're using a lighter dumbbell or a plate or something, still just go through that same range of motion. Cause if you have it, you want to use it just 
like you already said, if they're not in the gym, they're still gonna they're still gonna have to use it at some point. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better population of people who this is like has massive effect on like how they live the rest of their mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Well, so I learned, and I, I knew a lot of this, um, but it kind of we kind of talk about it uh, like in the level one. It's brought up, you know, when we're talking just in general, it's brought up, and it's brought up again. It kind of light bulb during the 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 adaptive course was. You know, the two things that typically put a, uh, a person in a chair into a home is either they can't pick themselves up if they fall or if they can't physically take care of themselves, like wipe themselves or mm -hmm. take care of growth or like little things. And so a Stuff lot of that you and I don't ever think about. Yeah. Um, like the, those are those are the two things that the, one of the big things I learned is like those are the two things that will typically put someone in a home. And so like I related to my brother who's 30 years old. He's three years older than me. And, like, he could potentially be in a home at 35, 40 years old simply because if he fell out of his chair, he couldn't pick himself up. And besides that, he like – He cannot. No, he no. can, but oh, if he it. could not. If he could not. Yeah. If he could not. And so it took a – it took a lot of uh, – it took a lot of convincing. So I met I met Alec for the first time at the the trainer clinic in December when we all went out to the ranch. The new hire summit. Yeah, yeah So okay. he's, he's been on the adaptive um, – circuit for a while and he's fairly new to the to the level one staff and I think he's like a year in yeah. maybe and yeah. so he, he doesn't do a whole lot of level ones because he's the director of adaptive and so we met there and you know just had a conversation he's like oh i'm on the adaptive team and i was like oh that's cool started talking about my brother and he's like oh well, i'm the director of the program it's like oh well that's awesome this is my brother <laughs> come to find out my he lives in san diego oh my brother lives in san diego so after a lot of talking, you know, I took all this information and just threw it at my brother. And it was probably too much just like shotgun to the face of information yeah. of what you need to do, which never works out for anybody. Um, took a lot of convincing, finally got him like, I want to do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, I'm in. I don't want to do it. And it's, I, come, I came to find out months later after I took the course myself of, you know, he was afraid to do it, which totally understandable. Just like a lot of people who come into across the gym for the first time they're yeah. completely out of their element they don't know the people they don't know what they're doing you know they're comfortable in their lifestyle and this is times 100 yep and then yeah multiply that times infinity because my brother personally he's he's a very shy person and he always has been always was even as a kid even you know teenager before his accident now the accident happens to the infinite degree so then take that and he's a very artsy person photography computer games like he's very a homebody hey go talk to people and go do physical exertion which you hate <laughs> and so <laughs> didn't really sell him on that so uh i remember i sent him a video of one of alex's courses or one of his uh his adaptive classes that he had and i was like hey like this is kind of what they do and he's like yeah i'm not doing that like i'm not going to be on an assault bike breathing hard and lifting weights he's like that's stupid like you know your effort is to. for the birds yeah bro. exactly and then so finally i've taken the course you know and having more real discussions of like hey it's it's not about that like that's you know, you comparing yourself to these guys in here is the equivalent of me comparing dad to the, the Masters Games athletes. Like, that's completely different sports we're talking about here. Like, for you, it's, you know, play with your dogs. Get up the curb easier. You know, if you drop your backpack, being able to pick it up without having to put effort into it. Like, yeah. scratch your back, doing some mobility stuff. And so that kind of was like, okay, there's there's a real reason to do all this. And then it was, I think the one of the big kickers was, uh, was the community aspect of it. You know, one of the... The biggest things that usually sells people on CrossFit in general is is the great community we have, which it hasn't failed me yet of we have a great community. But like, hey, you're going to meet a lot of great people. Um, you're going to meet people who have been through what you've been through. Um, you're going to meet people who haven't been, who have 
same experiences or worse experiences or you know whatever and so you're just gonna you're gonna make some friends like if if nothing else if you never go and you know you hate it maybe you'll make a friend out of it which you can never have too many friends so we we finally got a conference call and he agreed to have a meeting with alec and it just happened to be right for waterpalooza and I think he was like, oh, he forgot about it. But I called him last week, like, hey, when's that meeting with Alec? And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll call him. Like, I'll, I'll talk to him. <laughs> and so it's just these small little bribes. Like, I'm sending him out uh, an old laptop of mine. And uh, he's like, well, how much do you want for it? And I was like, you don't have to pay me. I was like, you just have to do X amount of sessions with Alec. And he's like, wait, what? You, I, I, have to, I have to work out for, for your laptop? And I was like, yeah, like, that's fair. I was like, just meet with him, you know, and it's I'll, free, I'll, bro. It's I'll determine free. how many it is, but you just have to meet with him. And he's like, I think I'd rather just pay you. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And I was like, I won't accept money. He's like, all right, Your money's no good I'll, here, I'll call sir. him next week. So my brother will be working out a couple times with Alec just for a laptop. That's cool. Um, that's awesome. Cool. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. Good stuff. If you guys have questions for Cassidy, obviously drop those in here um, and let us know. But uh, read any books. Am I reading right now? Yeah. Uh, I'm currently reading The Daily Stoic. It's um, a good book. I, I got that one from... Ryan Holiday. Yep. I got that one from uh, Jason Ackerman when I worked with him, which, great dude, which, funny enough, he actually took... He, it was the first time I got to work with him. He actually taught my level one way, way, way back when, or five, six years ago, whatever it was. Yep. He taught it, and then to be able to work with him, I thought was pretty cool. So we... Yep. We talked a bit, wrote down some books. I'm reading that one, and then I'm also uh, finishing up. It's called uh, Build an A-Team. Yeah, I think um, you told me about that. I've been reading that one for a while, yep. but keep there's no pictures in it, so it bores me. You read two books uh, at the same time? Well, Daily Soak's like a paragraph, so yeah, I read that yeah, in the that's morning. More like a I read that in the morning when I'm eating breakfast, and uh, yeah, 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 when yeah. I put my dogs up, I'll kind of look at it, and then I read the other one usually at night before I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, podcasts? Um, Any good ones that I don't know about? I listen to a lot of just barstool podcasts, so I listen to uh, uh, I Part of My Take. Pat McAfee. Part yeah. of My Take, Pat McAfee, and uh, Foreplay God, which is... Uh, just a lighter sense on uh, golf. Cool. And then I occasionally bounce around with Joe Rogan if he has an interesting interesting person or brute strength if they have somebody who interests me. But He had two this good that were good this uh, month. One, mm -hmm. Ben Greenfield was yesterday. That dude's weird. <laughs> injecting things into his wiener and stuff. <laughs> um, and then uh, the guy he had yesterday. It's like a, is he a cosmic? No, he's like a – he's an age. He's an age guy. Like okay. he's, um, he's uh, longevity. But this, he was like, he was saying all sorts of wacky stuff. I'm like, what? What are you doing? Anyway, um, cool. Last thing, get to ask me any question you want about anything. Oh, about anything. Ask me another question. I'll think of that one. Um, did you register for the open? <laughs> no, I have not yet. I uh, have. Well, you I had, have not you had to though, didn't you? I have not completed the <laughs> the damn judges course though. Oh yeah, Nicole about that one to get on you about that, so God, we can actually get our team up. Um, what is? Why do you continue to coach CrossFit both on in a gym and on a staff? Because you well actually, let's just staff. Why do you why do you continue to do do the staff when you have a good thing going here and you don't need to travel so much, be away from family or the gym or all that? I. I love my job, right? So it's a it's kind of a weird thing, and I and I I probably most people probably don't understand it, but um, I think it's hard to explain if you've never had a job that you like truly love, but I love my job, and it's one of those things that 
I think you don't you probably can't grasp it because I've seen guys who like to travel because they just don't like to be at home and that's not me I genuinely love my wife I love to be around her I love my daughter I don't like being away however I do love my job so for me it's a very it's a very tough push pull mm -hmm. uh, I won't do that forever uh, so that is the first thing is just I love to do it and I want to continue to get better and be around people that are better than me and I think as long as I'm going to own a gym or two gyms or however many gyms it's going to be in 10 years that I'm going to continue to develop myself as a coach because I have no interest in being a guy who owns a business from afar. Uh, that's just I don't, I don't have any beef with anybody who does that. Uh, that's your own that's your own deal. And I'm not going to judge anybody for that because that's that's your world and your life. But. I. That's not what I want. I want to you know, really kind of build something that lasts longer than me. You know, I want to build a brand and a, and a legacy within, <coughs> within, with, with CrossFit Rife and things that we do that is going to be around like after I die. Sure. You know, so no, I that's that. why, um, but that's it. Well, one thing I found that's unique with, uh, well, I'm very appreciative to be part of that team. Uh, the level one team specifically is, Every weekend when I come home, like I'm gearing to go back to, to the gym on Monday, which nothing like that happens in the Navy. Nope. I don't, nothing happens on the weekend where I'm like, can't wait to go yeah, back I to work. Can't wait Monday. to go back to work. No, I travel home on on Sunday, and that's usually when I do a lot of my programming because I'm just I'm amped, like I love it, uh, ready to go back and teach teach someone how to squat or how to deadlift. Like it's 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 it's, it's hard to find a job where you get legitimately excited to. To go to work at 5.30 in the morning yeah. on a Monday. It's damn near impossible. Um, no, I would agree, man. It's a, it's a very fortunate situation to be in. To, you're like just super be passionate about your job and then be good at it. You know, it's a plus. Um, all right, cool. All right, guys, if you have questions, hit us up. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, CrossFit Rife, YouTube. Uh, this podcast will be posted on YouTube uh, and the website. Uh, hit us up if you got any questions. Uh, if you get questions about programming, hit us up. Cassie will answer those uh, uh, for you, and we'll see you next time. See ya.